Welcome to the inaugural episode of the 751 Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Laren. For those of you who don't know me, which is basically everyone, I think, at this point, uh, I'm a longtime startup junkie. I started out as a cryptographer and wrote uh, one of the people that wrote the encryption for the Blu-ray disc security system. Um, I have been an angel investor and a mentor to startups for quite some time in more exciting spaces than crypto, including a sex toy company that I'm heavily involved in. And I, most recently, I'm the co-founder of Gateway, which is California's first accelerator for cannabis-related companies. Now, I used to be more politically vocal back in my youth. Uh, I was the editor of Capitalism Magazine. I used to speak out about political issues a lot. But like many people, over time, I began focusing more on my career and paying less and less attention to politics. Uh, I now think that was probably a mistake. I think it's my responsibility to speak up. And really, I've kind of identified about five reasons why now I think is the time for me to speak up. One of them is I think there's been a significant cultural shift that's taken place in my lifetime. I'm 41. And, you know, the stereotypical old curmudgeons like me might complain about the youth generally. But I'm convinced that it's not just old guy bias, but that something actually is significant and something disturbing has happened in America over the past few decades. And you know, I'll talk about that more as the show unfolds. Uh, the second reason is as a co-founder of Gateway, I find myself now in a career that's inherently political. And so it's more appropriate for me to talk about politics than it has been in the past. Um, the third reason is you know, this, this upcoming election here in 2016 is it's like nothing we've seen before, at least nothing I've seen before. And I think it holds particular significance and it's worth talking about. And, you know, the fourth reason is my closest friends have really urged me to do this for years, and I think they've finally kind of worn me down. The last thing I'd like to say is that uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Stefan Molyneux, who's been an inspiration. Uh, agree or disagree with him, he's a very impactful podcaster, and he brings a lot, uh, much needed data, often uncomfortable data, uh, to debates of a variety of issues. So I suggest that you listen to the Freedom Main Radio podcast and donate if you like what you hear. And so here we are. Let's get to the first episode of 751. I'm not sure what it will be like. Uh, I hope to do this once a week, and most of the time I hope to have guests accompany me so that you can get perspectives uh, from a variety of people, not just me. Uh, we'll talk about current events from a philosophical perspective, and I'll strive to use a process of reason, evidence, and critical thought. When I'm wrong and it's pointed out to me, I hope I'll have the courage and integrity to change my position. So just to set context for people who don't know me, I'm an evangelical atheist and an anarcho-capitalist, which means I believe in the non-aggression principle. So in other words, the initiation of the use of force is wrong in all cases for any reason. Sometimes applying that principle is more complicated than it might seem, but that's why critical thinking is so important. So liberals tend to think I'm conservative. Conservatives tend to think I'm liberal. Uh, so if you're either on the left or on the right, hopefully I'll be able to find some way to offend the shit out of you. Uh, with that said, let's begin our first episode. Uh, today, I went out, I found a genuine real-life millennial to tell tell me what's what uh, and how the millennials are thinking. Her name is Michelle Matthews, and she's the owner of Contagion Industries, which is a social media marketing company. Um, Michelle, say hi. Hi, everybody. What's going on? And I'm also fortunate enough to be joined by a friend of mine uh, who prefers to have his last name left out, but his name is Jeff. And uh, we've known each other for, I don't know, 15 years or so now. And uh, 
he's a great guy with a lot of knowledge in a variety of industries. And so, Jeff, do you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Awesome. So thank you guys for joining me. You know, the three of us were talking earlier, and we decided maybe this first show should just be about um, Obama's recent speech at South by Southwest. So uh, a couple days ago, Obama was invited to South by Southwest. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, it's a tech conference slash music festival orgy that happens in Austin every year. Uh, I used to go kind of religiously. I'm glad to not be there this year. But you're missing out on the orgies, right? I'm missing out on the orgies. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure the orgies are happening without me. Just just fine in Austin. So uh, anyway, Obama was invited there, which is unusual. They don't usually have presidents or, or high high status political figures speak at South by Southwest. I'm not totally sure why a bunch of technologists want to hear from a lifetime politician who's never built anything, but there goes my bias a little bit. Um, but, you know, instead of even sp- focusing on his whole speech, we wanted to kind of talk about his comments on the Apple-FBI issues and debate right now. And he didn't address it, address it directly, but they did ask him about security versus privacy. And, you know, before we kick off this discussion, let's just play a clip of what his response was. It's a little bit long, so, you know, I'm not going to interrupt it. We'll just listen to what he has to say about this, and then we'll jump in and comment. Well, first of all, I can't comment on the specific case, so let's set that aside. Um, All of us value our privacy, and this is a society that is built on a constitution and a bill of rights and a uh, a healthy skepticism about overreaching government power. Uh, before smartphones were invented, uh, and to this day, if there is probable cause to think that you have abducted a child or that you are engaging in a terrorist plot, or you are guilty of some serious crime, uh, law enforcement can appear before your, at your doorstep and say, uh, I, we have a warrant to search your home, and they can go into your bedroom and into your bedroom doors and rifle through your uh, underwear uh, to see if there's any evidence of wrongdoing. And we agree on that because we recognize that just like all of our other rights, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, et cetera, that there are going to be some constraints that we impose in order to make sure that we are safe, secure, and uh, living in a civilized society. I feel like I have to interrupt already because uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I feel like he's – there's a fallacious – avenue to this argument, which is just because the government can get a warrant to go search your underwear drawer doesn't mean that the government can compel you to use a certain type of lock on your underwear drawer to which they have the key. There's never been there's never been a precedent that I'm aware of, and obviously I'm not a constitutional lawyer, and although Obama claims to be, he's clearly not very well-versed in constitutional law based on what we've seen from him in the past. 
you know, I'm not aware of any precedent where the government can say, you know, n not only can we get a warrant to go search, but we can preemptively force everyone in the world or everyone in the country to use a particular type of lock for which we have a master key. Now, I think actually they did that with the TSA. So maybe that's the kind of first instance I can think of where something is like is done like that. But uh, that's really not how the Fourth Amendment was supposed to work, where, you know, they <laughs> they can just go get a warrant and uh, well, I, it's supposed to work where they can just go get a warrant and and get access at least have physical access, but there's no, I've never seen a precedent where they can actually force you to preemptively give them a back door. Have you guys seen that? And does that bother you at all? Yeah, that bothers me quite a bit. I, I believe oh, pre-Obama administration, there was the whole notion of the V-chip stuff that went through Congress and the Congress, which is obviously elected by the people, uh, refused to pass that legislation. And Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, na now I, I believe in, in the current, the the current action, they're looking at a uh, uh, a law from 1789 as justification to do this and ostensibly put in a back door into digital devices, which is effectively the end of privacy. So th this is a really significant deal. Yeah. What about the millennial? What's <laughs> what's the millennial view? I'm terrified. Um, in a way, it, it, he's kind of making it seem like it's not that big of a deal. And um, kind of just throwing it in as something that just is a part of, of his campaign. But really, um, what I see is that most people my age don't understand how important it is to be able to have that privacy and have never seen it taken away from them. They don't really understand that, you know, it's... Uh, the, the the ability to be able to say, you know, I'm this particular type of supporter, that is... is crucial you know being able to comment on those things and being able to express yourself and feel like your privacy is there and real it, it might not be it might they might not understand what about the argument that if you if you're a good person you have nothing to hide and big brother should be able to go ahead and look um i think it's bullshit <laughs> um uh, i i think it's a silly argument only because i I want my things protected. I personally like the fact that there are certain aspects about me that I, they don't need to be out in public. Certain things I want to keep to myself or keep to my family or keep to, you know, my friends, for example. I don't need somebody else kind of surveillancing what I'm doing and then having these weird um, ideas that they could be using that against me somehow in the future. We all have our secrets. We all have our secrets. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean. Okay, so let's let's um, let's let's listen to the rest of of what Obama said about this, and give him a chance. Now, technology is evolving so rapidly that new questions are being asked, and I am of the view that there are very real reasons why we want to make sure that government cannot just willy nilly get into everybody's iPhones that is full of or smartphones that are full of uh, very personal information and very personal data. And let's face it, uh, the, the, the whole Snowden disclosure episode elevated people's suspicions of this. I <laughs> think obviously for good reason, right? I think Jeff, you said that earlier. Uh, yeah, he's kind of dismissing this Snowden thing like, oh, 
oh, because of the Snowden disclosures, people are extra concerned as if, you know, as if it's something wrong with us. What the hell is wrong with you people? I mean, I, I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like it's a little bit condescending. Like, oh, Snowden said some stuff and now people are paranoid. But the stuff he revealed is that there's good reason to be paranoid and that the federal government has been spying on the American people for, for decades and basically feels no remorse about it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you mentioned that, Carter, because just Friday in the Washington Post, there was an article about uh, the NSA and the FBI and the DEA and basically all the three-letter acronym agencies are saying, well, yeah, we actually are using the metadata from the NSA, and we're using that domestically, and it's okay, and I don't know what's more troubling, the fact that they've just come out and cavalierly said, we don't need the FISA courts to give us a warrant to do any of this because we think we can just do it. So I don't know if that's worse than them doing it or what, but fundamentally, uh, yeah, your privacy is going away. I didn't see that article. Let's uh, let's look it yeah, up for a second. Yeah, can we look at it? Yeah. Okay, so I found the article here. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, March 10th, Washington Post. The title is, Surprise, NSA data will soon routinely be used for domestic policing that has nothing to do with terrorism. And according to the article, it says, uh, let's see, a while back we noted a report showing that the sneak and peek provision of the Patriot Act was alleged to be used only in national security and terrorism investigations has overwhelmingly overwhelmingly been used in narcotics cases. Now the New York Times reports that the NSA data will be shared with other intelligence agencies like the FBI without first applying any screens for privacy. Uh, the ACLU of Massachusetts blog Privacy SOS explains why this is important, and then they go on. I think it's pretty obvious why that's important. Um, so yeah, it's this is this is a weird development where we're living in a country now where the president can sit on stage and make light of privacy concerns and get round applause from people, which I don't think would have happened 20 years ago, no matter who said it. In fact. I don't, Jeff. Do you remember this? I, you know, growing up, I, uh, you could count on the left for at least protecting uh, privacy and freedom of speech, and it seems like that's not really happening anymore. Now the left is like, "Fuck it, our guy's in," so whatever. I don't know. I don't know what the thought process is there. Am I crazy? Was it not like that in the past? Uh, no, I don't remember it being like that at all. I, I think that. Um you know, s some of the identity politics and kind of the we're the team we're in, we're winning things are really uh, moving things in a, in a very dangerous direction, particularly as it relates to the Bill of Rights. Uh, I'm really quite shocked about uh, the limits that are being applied to free speech, especially at university campuses. I mean, having free speech means uh, having to endure speech that you don't think is popular. And so that's going away. And yeah, yeah. No, growing up, right? It was like. Yeah hey, I'll defend Hitler's right to say what he has to say. I may disagree with him, but I'll defend him to the death. And, you know, that was kind of a normal, accepted thing, and it doesn't seem like that's true anymore. Oh, I agree with you. I think, you know, to use the vernacular of today, you know, my safe space was knowing that if somebody said th something that I found uh, unpopular— that actually made me feel safe because they could say something unpopular because at some point I might be in the minority view. And unfortunately, at this point, you know, I, I believe in fundamental liberties as enumerated in the Bill of Rights and, uh, and in the Constitution. And, you know, now I kind of need my safe space because all that stuff's eroding. And 
um, looking at the digital privacy concerns are really, really disturbing. And the, the cavalier way with which the Washington Post has reported on, on this action of the NSA and the other federal agencies is really disturbing. And, you know, if you look at the news cycle in D.C., they put stuff out on a Friday afternoon so it gets swept under the rug. And by Monday morning, everybody comes back from their weekend. And you don't hear anything about it again. And that is absolutely done intentionally inside the Beltway. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, basically, it sounds like the government on, on privacy and, and supported here by Obama is, you know, just kind of, you know, I do what I want. I mean, which is really, really kind of disturbing. Uh, I played that clip for you, Millennial. It, there was a cartoon involved. Did you have a comment on this or, or no? Um, yeah, I did a little bit. Just speaking to your point about um, being able to share your 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 opinion or your thoughts about potential like candidates. Um, I rarely see the, a, a positive reaction to anything that I've ever posted based on any Donald Trump knowledge. Like all I have actually seen is more, um, more people liking things that are specific to Bernie or specific to, well, just Bernie actually. Oh, wait, so you, what are you saying? You're saying you post Donald so, Trump things and what well, happens? Well, let's, ju let's just say that I'm less likely to post if I like a certain aspect about Donald Trump because I'm what I'm seeing or what I keep hearing is that people that do support Trump or support Hillary, um, they're not they're kind of not um, the normal or the norm. So um, if there's more unity of people on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram for Bernie, for example. So sure, but I think that's that might just be your your friends right i mean your dem your your friends are are getting that but uh, i mean i think i want to draw a line though there's a difference between uh free speech from the government perspective and people agreeing with you and i to me honestly i think a lot of that i'm gonna sound like a curmudgeon but it seems like a lot of the young kids today don't understand the difference between mm. um people disagreeing with you and saying like, hey, I don't want to listen to you or I don't like you for what you said or I don't like what you said or shutting you down that way. Um, they they feel like that is censorship uh, when that's that's not censorship. Right. Um, but government intrusion is censorship. Censorship right. comes with a, a gun. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, now that's not to say. Uh, I mean, that's not to say I admire companies like Facebook or Twitter, which are also having you know, demonstrating this uh, flippant attitude towards free speech. Twitter's constantly getting in trouble. Not in trouble, but you're constantly seeing on, on Twitter them shutting people down for speech they, di they disagree with, and you see it on Facebook as well. Now, they have a right to do that. It's their property, and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, he has yeah, a right to yeah. control what's said on Facebook, but I think we should recognize that that's not an open dialogue when that happens, and um, it's not free speech, but... I, I kind of feel a little restrained from the topic of privacy here at this point, though. Um, sorry, do you have anything to add? No, to I, the, the only the reason I'm saying that is because um, now if, you know, if I have a disagreement with a particular candidate, I won't use social media to voice it anymore. That's and that to me is is a little bit weird because of the fact that you would think that because of social and because you're able to do so much with it, you should be able to you know, say your feelings towards a certain candidate. Well, you can. You'll just get ostracized. Yeah, and that is group. it's social suicide. So people, sure, that that hurts the community and of of that particular sector. Yeah, I think we could do a whole show about this. How the tolerant left is the most <laughs> intolerant group of people imaginable. 
Um, yeah. But yes. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's. I don't want to go down a, yeah. a, a rat hole here. So let's get back to President Obama's discussion of privacy as he sees it. So does popular culture, by the way, which um, makes it appear as if you know I'm in the sit room and I'm moving things. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm. You've been watching Homeland. There's like right some. Now. That's like a reference to something I don't know. I. <laughs> Homeland is a. It's a, I think, a television series that was pretty big on Netflix. I feel like uh, totally <laughs> Yeah, you. I, <laughs> out, of, sure out of the loop on this. Sorry. You okay. might like it. Who knows? Okay, so let's continue. Yeah. I'm tracking the guy in the it's streets it, of Istanbul. It's not uh, nearly that cool. It turns out it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. work that way. Sometimes I'm just trying to get a connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, he's yeah. trying to get a connection. Like, social. Sorry, I'm thinking outside of... What we're doing. Sorry, keep going. Okay. <laughs> Good. Great. No, but, but, but look, we, we, the, the, uh, uh, that was a real issue. I will say, by the way, that, and, and I don't want to go too far afield, but the Snowden issue um, vastly overstated the dangers to U.S. citizens in terms of spying, because the fact of the matter is, is that actually our intelligence agencies are pretty scrupulous about uh, U.S. persons, people on U.S. soil. Okay, so here's, so first of all, we know that that's not necessarily true based on the article we just saw in the Washington Post, um, which yep. came out probably the day after he said this, maybe the day he said this. But second of all, it, it looks like, you know, the issue here, and, and I, I don't understand, maybe it's a generational thing, but there seems to be this acceptance from especially younger voters that when when the government says trust us we won't do anything bad with this power they're just kind of accepting that and they're not you know no one is realizing that maybe they love obama and they don't believe that an obama administration would do bad things which you know i think there's a lot of counter evidence to that but let's assume that maybe that's true you know, what if Trump gets elected? Then he has all that power. You I mean any power that you cede to the government and you give them the opportunity to go rifling through your shit and looking at your stuff and you don't you don't complain about that? Yeah, maybe today the government's not gonna do anything, but Obama's not gonna remain in power for the rest of eternity. And we are constantly voting in new leaders, and many of the new leaders, I think most people would agree. I mean, people don't pr trust politicians. Why are we why do we they have this attitude that, oh, well, well we can trust the government because they're not going to do anything bad? It, do you have any insight into that? Because I see it from the millennial generation specifically a lot more than my generation or older generations. Um, yeah, I just think that um, people are, are giving them that amount of power because they – maybe one of the, the reasons is because they're just used to – kind of getting everything handed to them in a way well i think they would argue with that i mean there's lots of arguments about millennials graduating into bad economy and blah 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 i mean you know i don't want to they're looking for answers to kind of help them out of what their tragedy is right now so i think a lot of those so there's just no long-term like I there's no long-term view that actually you know not fighting this government power grab now could hurt me later they just don't care I, I wouldn't say that they don't care. Maybe they just don't see the long term. 
I, I think it's harder for them to envision that because they've had um, maybe it's just like less involvement or j less understanding, maybe just in general with what's going on publicly. I, I, I think. I mean, to me, that just sounds like that sounds really, really, well, really ignorant. Shitty. Yeah, <laughs> a little. Bit. Everybody knows you never go full retard. God, yeah, millennials. Really? Everyone knows. Wow. You never go full retard, millennials. Wow. Uh, so no, but I think it's it's a problem. It is it's a, a problem. problem, and it's something. It's and but it's also it, it it impacts so many parts of their lives. They're not paying attention to that specific. Sure, but thing history yet, is yet. replete with examples of of power grabs from relatively benign governments turning into dictatorial oppressive regimes regimes that are using using that power right i mean you know hitler didn't st I, and i know invoking hitler on the internet is like you know you lose the argument but da, da, you da. know let's just you know hitler didn't start by saying i'm going to kill all the jews and do all these bad things right he he slowly implemented a power grab and whether it was him that ended up actually being the horrible dictator or whether he someone else got elected and and followed through with that power is almost irrelevant the the concept that you cede this kind of power and make yourself a ward of the state by telling them yeah you're allowed to look in all my phones and through all of my stuff and i'm not allowed to have encryption that you can't get after i mean that is extremely dangerous and you know i I don't. I don't believe that millennials are that stupid. I don't think so, so either. What there's got to be some other reason why they don't give a shit about this. Yeah, and a lot of this is coming from an administration that has demonstrated that they've used their position in government against their political enemies. I mean, particularly Lois Lerner and the IRS stuff, um, going after conservative groups, and it doesn't matter where your politics are. Government doing that is absolutely the wrong thing to do. And now what is being advocated is to give them a master key to all digital encryption on all devices. That is really terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. We should get into the technicalities of that in, yeah. in a few minutes. But go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying that it, I definitely agree with that. And I think it is terrifying. I think it's that people aren't paying it maybe – less people are paying attention to that because of the fact that they have so much else going on, so many other things going on. They have, you know, they're working 9 to 5 or 9 to 10 p.m. trying to, like, okay, get yeah, themselves but, I mean, together. But, but <laughs> trying to, you know, that's, like... That's a pretty lame like, excuse. No, I mean, but I'm just never saying, like, in the history of mankind has, yeah, has the standard of living been as high as it is now. Yeah. And so, like, they're not picking wheat in the fields and then having to go, you know, sit by the campfire and listen to someone tell them what the local politician said at the town hall meeting that they couldn't attend earlier. I mean, right. this is a... It's, it's to say that it's too hard for them is just r a ridiculous. I wouldn't say it. that it's too hard because obviously there's enough resources to be able to kind of dive in and check out what's going on. But I do think that some people aren't concentrated on, you know, the political sphere as much because they're either they're working, they're, they ha care about other things more than they care about this, which I no, get no, no, it. No, I know what you're going to say, but I'm just saying that like, sure. well, yeah, then to some extent they get what they deserve. Right? True. I mean, but, you know, I think... By the way, did I say picking wheat? I don't think you pick wheat. I think you harvest. I don't know what you do with wheat. I think you harvest. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to all the <laughs> agriculture. Sorry, Jeff. You have agricultural experience. <laughs> you, you should have chimed in and said, you know, stop it. Yeah, you're retarded. Okay, so let's... All right, let's let's let Obama finish at least this question. He's kind of rambling Obama's a little bit. Obama's finished kind of like up. Us. Yeah, okay, here we go. Uh 
what those disclosures did identify were excesses overseas with respect to people who are not in this country. A lot of those have been fixed. Don't take my word for it. Um, there was a panel that was constituted, uh, an independent panel that just graded all the reforms that we set up uh, to avoid those charges. But the, but I understand that that raised suspicions. All right, so so we're concerned about privacy. We don't want government to be looking through everybody's phones, willy-nilly, without any kind of oversight or probable cause or. Or, or, or a, a clear sense that it's targeted at somebody who might be a wrongdoer. What makes it even more complicated is the fact we also want really strong encryption. Because part of us preventing terrorism or preventing uh, people from uh, disrupting the financial system or our air traffic control system or uh, a whole other set of systems that are increasingly digitalized is, is that uh, hackers, state or non-state, can't just get in there. I am going to fall asleep. This is so boring. Okay, so we need encryption. Thank you, Obama. Whoop-de-doo. Jeff, you, you have something to say. Well, I yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I think we should put this in context of, you know, again, and we can get into the technical stuff here, Carter, and we probably should do, on, do it on the crypto. But the government, again, is asking for a master key to get into all the digital stuff. So... Obama's argument here is, trust us, we're going to keep you safe, everything is going to be okay. But this is the same administration that allowed the Office of Personal Management data breach, uh, and data breaches being polite, it was a rip and hack, um, uh, but all the intelligence agencies believe it was the Chinese now. And, you know, it's taken from March of 2014 uh, until July of 2015 to realize that the records of 21.5 million federal employees who had applied for clearances have all been hacked. And so all those people's, it's a DDS-214, which is what they apply for, or the form that they use uh, when they apply for the, their clearance, has all been hacked. So, right. so the government can't, I mean, basically... There, there is no secure, they can't be secure. Right. Well, and, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> Yes, the government the government can't be secure, and they fail. I mean, like every other government program, them keeping secrets is a failure, generally. Um, but now they're asking us to trust them with their information. Well, yeah. I mean, there's two sides to this. One is they're asking us to trust them and that they will do no wrong. So that's one piece. Because they I have such a great track record. It, every government it, in it, history exactly. is what an it, awesome track record of it, never, never doing anything wrong with any access they're given. Exactly. And then implicit in that is that they have the ability to have data security, which with the OPM hack is obviously not true. Right. Can you explain right. the OPM hack? Well, it's the Office of Personal Management. So if you want to go be um, a government employee that maybe has access to some sensitive information, you have to apply for a clearance. When you apply for the clearance, it's a form, I believe it's DDS-214. You fill this out, and this is this It's pretty extensive. extensive. I used to have background. a clearance, and it's pretty, it's pretty extensive. Yeah, and it's, it's who are your family members, what do they do, have you traveled to any foreign countries, really, really extensive Oh, yeah. In fact, when I, in fact, I don't know if they still do this, but when I got my clearance, they interviewed all my neighbors. They yeah. called my family members. They, I had to go down and take a polygraph. I'm sure those results are on file somewhere. They would ask really, really personal questions because they're curious about whether you have secrets in your life that could be potential blackmail, uh, points of blackmail. 
So it's it's yeah. it's pretty personal yeah. information. We, that they we could do a whole show on the OPM hack, but I, but I just point this out that they are not capable of managing the security of that data. Full stop. Sure. Although I would argue, I don't even care if they are capable of managing it. Uh, you know, That's it's the first point. it's yeah. it's none of their business. Yeah. And and to accept the idea that you are cattle on the government farm is is basically to sign your own death warrant, and certainly to sign to sign society's death warrant. And it's shocking to me how no one seems to care about this. If you look at the presidential candidates right now, um, so we're down to Sanders. Clinton on the Democrat side, and we're down to basically Trump, Rubio, and Cruz with Kasich still kind of in the wings there. None of those candidates, none of them, to my knowledge, does anyone know? None of them stood up and said, this is a problem, right? At least you used to be able to count on on the Democrats, the Democrats to at least, you know, argue against overreach uh, on national security issues and protect privacy, but not even Bernie Sanders seems to give a crap about this. Certainly Hillary Clinton doesn't, um, which is ironic given uh, how much information she's leaked <laughs> intentionally <laughs> or unintentionally. Um, you know, so I, it's it's crazy. Maybe it wasn't actual irony, but odd were nonetheless. There any, were there any questions in the debates about privacy? That yeah, yeah. Well, I remember the Republican day, they were... Debate. They were specifically asked about the Apple FBI situation, and all of them, all of them, kind Backed of said Apple should be forced to do this. You know, Trump in his normal kind of blustering, you know, uh, aggressive way, kind of Apple should be forced, you know. And but but everyone, even even people like Cruz, who claim to be very constitutional oriented and usually talk about protecting individual rights, uh, even Cruz. Absolutely opposed. And none of them spoke with any intelligence or actual understanding of the technical issue, which maybe we should cover. Do you understand the technical issue, Mish? Or no? no, I'd love to understand because that's p one part that I feel like is really crucial. Sure. It's not it's not that complicated, but basically yeah. here's what happens um, in in the old generation iPhones. Uh, in order to do an update, Apple could just uh, you know push a software update out. Mm -hmm. And um, you didn't have to enter your password or anything, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to restart the phone, and and you could they could push the password the, the thing out, and you could you could actually they could reset the phone without losing your data, right? So even if you didn't have uh, a person's password for their phone, uh, Apple could initiate a uh, software update, which would unlock your phone ostensibly and yeah. keep your data keep your and safe, apple yeah. n not anyone could do that but apple could do that mm -hmm. now apple i i think in a in an admirable move updated their operating system on their phone so that they can do that reset so if you have a problem with your phone and you need apple to uh reset your phone they can still do that but they lose all of your data mm -hmm. the only way that they can do that and maintain your data is if you enter in your pin, right? You have to, you, you, the software update happens and then you have to enter your pin in order to get your data. Now, that's just, uh, that's just a fact. There's nothing mad, there's no other magical trick there. So, uh, you know, they literally can't do this without the pin. Um, they can't, they can't save this data. So this, this terrorist had a, the newer version of, of the iOS on it. Mm -hmm. So 
he had this feature where they can't get the data. Now, what the FBI wants them to do, now granted, this was like two months after the incident. I don't know what information they think they're going to find on the phone two months later. And, and they actually, the government screwed up early on in the investigation by um, mistakenly deleting cloud data and other stuff that they, you know, they kind of screwed up their own access. Uh, but that said, now what they want to do is they say, well, we want Apple to update the software so that we are allowed to try as many pins as we want through like a USB port or some other port yeah. so that we can basically brute force attack and guess at, at pins until we find the right pin mm -hmm. that works. Um, and the reason they can't do that without a software update is, as you probably know, and if you've lost your pin a bunch of times after a few times, it starts to get slower and slower. You have to enter all the pins manually. You can't do it through a USB port. Right. And it starts to get more slow and more slow, and eventually it locks it locks you and you lose your data. So uh, the government doesn't want that to happen. Uh, they need to be able to go through tens of thousands of combinations, likely maybe more, depending on uh, what kind of password was used. Mm -hmm. And they, they don't want to lose the data. And so what they're asking Apple to do is produce a version of the iOS software that disables the time delay for pin entry and allows pins to be and, and disables the lockout and allows pins to be entered through a USB port or something. So what the government would then do is they would take that that soft that phone with the new software on it and they would just guess at pins really, really quickly. Yeah. And it could take, you know, it could take a fraction of the time, you know, a matter of hours, days, depending on, you know, on the on the password and how complex it was. Um mm -hmm. but once Apple does that once that piece of software exists that that loads onto a phone and disables those pin safeties, once that software exists, it can be loaded on any phone. And there's nothing really to prevent that. Now, you could argue Apple, you know, can't, you know, th they could not share it with people. Or, you know, you could say, as Obama probably would, trust us, the FBI won't do that to everyone else. But it's it's opening Pandora's box to some extent. Now there are technical ways for Apple to prevent this, but at this point, if they went and did those things, I don't know if they would get charged with obstruction of justice. <laughs> I don't know what would happen. Mm -hmm. um, but there are you know there are ways for them to to fix that. However, um, it is a big deal, and and the other big deal about it is it's the government forcing someone to do engineering work. I mean, it, traditionally, if you if you get a warrant. And you say, you know, you have to let us in your house. Um, you know, you're not forcing me to design a new door and lock system and update it, right? You're just, you know, breaking down my door, basically. I don't even really have to give you a key, right? You, they already have it. <laughs> right? <laughs> they can just break down the door or whatever. And so getting back to my analogy previously, um, it's this weird application of a law where the government is arguing that they should have a right to dictate what kind of locks are sold so that locks that don't let the government in can't be sold. Can't be and that's, yeah. by the way, another reason why that is super scary is, you know, the U.S. government is not the only well-financed entity who would like some information out in the world. Hmm. And so if the U.S. government can get in, maybe China can get in. Maybe other well-financed people can get in. Um, and... You know, all those are issues, but the fundamental issue here is, you know, who owns your data? Who owns you and who owns your data? And I believe the answer is you own you. You own your data. 
it's not the government's. Can they get a warrant to go access your stuff? Absolutely. But if they can't read it because you made up some language or you wrote it in Klingon or you encrypted it with something, tough shit. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way that's the way it is. And, you know, I think the founders of this country understood that you give up a little bit of security for that level of privacy. And that's something that, you know, I'm comfortable with. And I think most Americans in the past were always comfortable with. I mean, you know, a padded room in a jail cell is very secure, but that's not really how we want to live our lives. And it's immoral, I would argue, to uh, to tell people that they don't have a right to their own information and that the government has a right to snoop. Um, so that was a long rant and a diatribe. But do, do you have any, Jeff, you have a comment? Or I can't see you over there. Yes. I'm, yes, I'm agreeing with you, and that's my comment. Okay, one hundred percent agreed. I mean, what what is the, uh, what is it, what do they have to do with like what I'm sending out to my friends anyway? I'm, you know, the the stuff that I have on my phone is specifically towards certain people. So why do I want to give that up? I I don't get it either. And I I agree. It needs to be something that's protected and more, um, I guess, showcased more in something that people need to be more aware of but the, qu the other question is how are we going to get them more aware of it yeah well you it's because they're not like maybe they're not reading or paying as much attention to it because there's a million other distractions yeah you know there's shit being bombarded stuff being bombarded at you us you can say shit we have like no viewership yeah that's true um <laughs> but you know i mean it's it's a huge topic and definitely it needs to be addressed and people need to be passionate about it this is it's it's the end of of pretty much everything. So let me ask if you a question. <laughs> Wait, can I, can I ask you a question about millennials? Do they, do, I mean, again, I'm I can't grouping even them all an into expert, one. That's fine. Go for it. Okay, so, but a lot of your friends are Bernie supporters. So we'll just say this. Huge burners. Stereotypical Bernie supporter millennial, right? Mm -hmm. Are they fearful of government at all? Like, do they, do they just believe that the government is full of a bunch of good people? Is that their philosophy? I think that possibly what they're thinking is Obama stepped in and had this, you know, this vision and this um, this way about him that kind of unified people and made like kind of made people think that things were going to get better in some way because he was a more public, um, personable um, kind of. I, I wouldn't say manipulator because that's probably way too far, but um, he. He, he was very charismatic, and he dealt with more social issues, and I think it was something that that, that was more um, Okay, more, but I, I'm going to interrupt you because you're not answering the question. The question is, do they have a distrust of government or not? Not whether they like Obama. Like, do, they, well, do they have a distrust? Do they think government is full of a bunch of good people who are just trying to do good and they can be trusted? I think they, they think the Obama administration is doing much better and is doing right by them. For, for so they would trust the, the Obama administration. I think so. I think okay. that's kind of and so they think. And there's that no, there's the like a disconnect with the idea that like Trump could be elected or George W. Bush was the predecessor to Obama and like, do they want George W. Bush to have all the same power that they want Obama to have? No, <laughs> I, w I would say no. I mean, um, I'm just I'm trying to understand the thought process. Is yeah. it just is it just a, an abhorrent lack of like focus on the future or like any kind of realization that like cause has effect and that something happens later 
Yeah, but I think they're more focused on social issues and social change and and that. Well, and privacy is a social issue. Yeah, but it's not it's not as important. Maybe it's not as important as you know equality for marriage or like the problem with healthcare or something. I think maybe. Uh, okay, this but is, this is the first time that a president has been able to use social media as a tool and use a, a, a really huge like build a really huge PR campaign and his message is something that people really really enjoy like it's you know um it was more like he was advocating for change so he kept saying that over and over and over again for the for the last like eight years and i think that might have been something so they're just excited that he's pro-gay marriage and says a lot of things even though a lot of the things that he said he was going to do he didn't actually end up doing um you know he didn't uh he didn't close Maybe Guantanamo, for example, which he ran on. And, like, right. there's a lot of things that he said he was going to do, which he didn't. Yeah. But they don't seem to care. They just like that he's pro-gay marriage, which is, well, you know, in this day and age, Well, maybe because it's in the direction that deal. they want. Okay, they they knew that he was going to be um, more on their side instead of, you know, these. Sure, but like listen to him. I mean, when he says this kind of stuff about the NSA looking yeah. at your data, and th- is that on their side? Like, how do they react to this? Because the I crowd here at South by Southwest seems to be loving it, which, you know, I have a hard time. I mean, are they loving it or are they just loving Obama being at South by Southwest? I don't know. Maybe like we should see the if there's the rest like of this thing he has to say because I, I don't know if his, oh, he's done rambling or not. We're rambling. Let's give him a chance to ramble some, some more. So we've got two values, both of which are important. Right. Right. And the, the question we now have to ask is if technologically it is possible to make an impenetrable device or system where the encryption is so strong that there's no key, there's no door at all, then how do... That's a technically inaccuracy. Just point that out. It's not that there's no key, but let's keep going. We apprehend the child pornographer how do we solve uh, a or disrupt a terrorist plot what mechanisms do we have available uh, to even do simple things like tax enforcement because if in so wait wait wait, okay so tax enforcement yeah this is so basically what i'm hearing is the government has a bunch of shit it wants to do and therefore we should be able to violate your privacy because we need to get some stuff done. We need money. Is that is that the argument? I mean, <laughs> did that, we just hear the, that correctly, the, by the way? The tax the, enforcement? It's too hard for us to do our agenda, so you need to make it easier for us. Yeah. And, and you're going to sacrifice your privacy for that. Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't understand how that's not just the most outrageous statement that basically the government has a bunch of stuff to do, and it's hard, and it's therefore— It's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> Therefore, you should be not allowed to m- make it hard for us. Hashtag privacy matters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you just use the hashtag? Wow. The you old did. guy used the hashtag. <laughs> All right. I didn't even throw that down. All right. Nice. Okay, well, let's see if he's going to, I think he's going to talk about Swiss wallets or something here. Hold on. In fact, you can't crack that at all. Government can't get in. Then everybody's walking around with a Swiss bank account in their pocket. I would so, like to say right now, for the record, I would love a Swiss bank account in my pocket. Me too, um, actually. And I think that would be fucking awesome. 
Um, so wait, is he also saying that everyone's a criminal because well, everyone so this is the, so this is the typical like right. So this is the that. typical thing, and and I'm not. It's not a thing on the left or a thing on the right because both both parties uh, have this the same characteristic, the same problem, which is this idea that uh, we're in. You know, we have an agenda. There are things that we want to do. And your rights be damned, right? It's, you know, the, or what's even right or wrong be damned, right? So, uh, you know, this is, I just, I don't understand. I, I'm having a really hard time understanding how people can simultaneously hold the view that politicians are untrustworthy and crooks and thieves and George W. Bush is a retard and blah, 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 and at the same time want to give the same group of people so much power and, and intrusive power into their lives because they have some stuff to do. And, boy, it would be a lot harder if we couldn't break into your phone. I mean, <sighs> Jeff, do you have any comments on this or my my the only crazy one no no you're doing fine I, I think this is good you know from the millennial standpoint i would just ask that generation um does liberty matter and and i i get the part about life is busy and you're raised on six second vines and you know maybe as a result of the technology you don't have the focus and attention because of the level of stimulation that happens in your life but liberty fucking matters it it really does and you are witnessing the end of liberty in your lifetime, at least liberty as it's been known here for many, many generations. And uh, you guys really need to pay attention to this because it, it doesn't matter what your politics are. If you don't have the basic elements of liberty and you're not secure uh, as an individual and the, the marriage thing really doesn't matter if you don't have liberty and you don't have free speech, you don't have the right to defend yourself, this is really important stuff. So, uh, I mean... You know, I, I have kids that are teenagers, so they're a generation behind you guys. But this really is a big deal. So please pay attention. So, OK, I'm going to defend millennials just for a second. And I, I love by the way, I love that, Michelle, you're you are all millennials today. All of them. Every single yeah. one of them. Um, but no, I'm going to I'm going to defend them just a little bit or at least all not millennials matter. Yeah, matter? I don't know. I don't want to actually defend them. Let me correct that. It's not all their fault. Um, I think the truth is what's happened is perfect. Yeah, the, <laughs> I, the baby boomer generation, and even before that, but I mean, starting probably with the baby boomer generation, is they have allowed this government creep, and they have allowed violations of of the Bill of Rights, um, in the name of all these other programs and agendas that they had, and I think what we're seeing is politicians in the past had to pay lip service to privacy and freedom of speech. And at this point, we now re have reached a generation, which is the millennials, who no longer even require that anyone pays lip service to it. Um, but it's been festering for quite some time. It's just that the rest of us kind of let them get away with it. And I would blame, frankly, I would blame the, uh, the baby boomers for instituting a lot of this. I mean, they, they created the, <laughs> the welfare state to a large extent. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems in the government that were created by baby boomers. Um, but 
but the politicians knew they had to at least pay lip service to to liberty and now it's like we've got a generation of people who've grown up where it's very clear that liberty doesn't matter and so lip service isn't even needed anymore do you think you're looking at me weird do you disagree no i i I don't disagree I, i think part of this though there there's a lot of people in groups that are responsible for this but i think a lot of it too is that we have lived for many many years really um post-vietnam uh in a way where people haven't gone to war they haven't seen strife it has not directly affected them if you look at what happened in world war ii you know the entire population of the u.s was affected by the war whether you went abroad or not you know there was rationing at home you lived that and you realize that that liberty mattered. You know, in Vietnam, things changed quite a bit, and it didn't affect everybody in the population. Sure, there was protests at home, and that was all good, and we drove social change as a result of that. And now we've really exported our war, and we can talk about colonialism and all that stuff and how that's affected uh, the U.S. position in the world and, you know, um, some of the behavior of, of the CIA and what we've done with, you know, regime building and other things for U.S. interest. I, I get all that. But the point is, is that that's really been divorced from the population. So people haven't experienced that in a time where GDP rose significantly. And the quality of life, as you pointed out earlier, is higher than it's ever been in history. So you have a generation now that hasn't had to experience that strife and, um, and I'll say sacrifice. I'm kind of going to kind of air quote that but but that did make a difference in the way they were raised so they haven't had to experience that directly and i think that has really distanced them from the central elements of liberty and that's one of the key issues yeah no i think you there's something accurate about what you're saying there when i think maybe it's even that um that they that this younger generations here these younger generations have a lack of understanding that government equals force right they've it's been government has been disconnected in their minds from force and when there's wars involved to protect your freedom it's very clear that what the government is about is force um but you know i you hear people all the time wanting the government to solve this problem or that or whatever but no one is ever really understanding what that means is you know guys with guns uh, enforced it at the end of the day. And I think that used to be obvious. And I think people have just kind of forgotten that, or maybe just, I don't know, maybe because of, because like you said, there hasn't been war or because the standard of living is so high and we've been relatively economically prosperous for the past several decades. It's too that, comfortable. Yeah. They just, they don't understand that when yeah. they say like people shouldn't be allowed to do X, Y, Z, what they mean is, men with guns should be allowed to put you in jail if you don't follow these rules. And mm-hmm. that is the lack of, that's the loss of freedom that we're talking about. I mean, the war on drugs is an obvious example of, you know, oh, you shouldn't be allowed to smoke this plant. What does that mean? It means that at 2 a.m. a group, a SWAT team should be able to bang down your door and throw a flashbang into the, a crib with a baby. I mean, that's, that's the consequence of outlawing a plant. And, you know, that kind of, that connection i mean people seem to be horrified sometimes that the police use force without understanding that you know they voted for the reasons that the police are using force um so there's just a disconnect i mean i, I don't know what did give us 
Again, speak for all millennials, Michelle. I feel like it's it's almost unfair because from my perspective with my family and what we had to go through, um, I appreciate it in a different way. And I mean, we've talked about that. Sure, too, but you so. sure, but you see what other. You know, you, you're yeah, surrounded. You you're, everyone that you're surrounded by didn't escape from a press. No, a, but I think th- I think what you're saying is valid in, in terms that people think that they're they're comfortable. But another thing that I keep hearing too or reading about is that um, the generation in front of us will let this kind of happen because they were babying the rest of us because they weren't able to. You know, they had to work really really hard to get the things that they wanted, and then out comes us. And we're just given everything on a on kind of a silver platter. So I don't know if um, t- to me it's I don't know if it's I don't know that you're given everything on a silver platter because I feel like I had a pretty I mean, o- other than my personal family life, like I feel like people my age had a pretty easy life i mean well, you know you, but you had to work really really hard and th- you understood what long term kind of commitments to things were and long-term kind of investments were and what long-term your long-term kind of idea was and you weren't expecting you know to get your your ideal job when you were in your 20s right now it seems like so many people are just you know if it doesn't happen now it's it's they're stupid they're the ones that are wrong they're not giving me the um, the opportunity to yeah, do Yeah, so it. there does seem to be an so, entitlement thing going on. So, but, it, yeah, you know. I think it's the entitlement, and they get too comfortable, and they haven't lived through a war. They haven't seen what it's like to be in a devastated community, really. Sure. I mean, I, look, I'm not advocating war, though. I don't want to live through a war, and I don't, I don't want my kids wanna to live through a war Yeah, either. definitely not. Definitely, definitely so, not. All right, well, look, I, we're veering off topic again, although it's interesting. We can do another show about millennials. Let's, uh, let's see if there's any last comments from... Uh, President Barack Obama. All right. So, so there has to be some concession to the need to be able to get into that information somehow. Now, what s- folks who are on the encryption side will argue is any key whatsoever, even if it starts off as just being directed at one device, could end up being used on every device. That's just the nature of these systems. Um, That is a technical question. I am not a software engineer. It is, I think, technically true, but I think it can be overstated. And so the question now becomes, we as a society, setting aside the specific case uh, between the FBI and Apple, setting aside the commercial interests, the uh, concerns about what could the Chinese government do with this, if even if we trust the U.S. government, setting aside all those questions, we're going to have to make some decisions about how do we balance these respective risks. Um, and I've, I've got a bunch of smart people sitting yeah. there talking about it, thinking about it. We have engaged the tech community. I just want to stop. Jeff, you look like you have something to say here. Well, yeah, I just want to comment on his point about some concessions have to be made. And then he brings up the Chinese, and let's go back to the Office of Personnel Management hack of 2015. Well, you asked to set that aside. You're not allowed to say that, Jeff. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I have to deal in with fact, reality. In fact, you know, you're, no, you're questioning Obama, and I just, you know, clearly you're, you're racist. Well, uh, I, I don't think so, but— 
I'm sure I'd be called that. Okay. Um, so, go. So, so, so anyway, I just the juxtapositioning of there needs to be some concessions. Trust us because we're going after bad people. But at the same time, really the fundamental thing here, we're talking about privacy. We're talking about individual rights. So what he's saying is that um, we're going to risk the fundamental privacy of 310 million people or whatever it is. We talked about the Washington Post stuff. They're sharing metadata now. They can't protect themselves from the Chinese or other hackers, as we've seen by the OPM, Office of Personal Management hack. Why does anybody believe this? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe because they just want to believe. There, there's a famous, th his thing where we, we, you know, we have to make some concession reminds me of this. There's a famous Ayn Rand quote, which, Jeff, I know you're familiar with, which is, uh, uh, in any compromise between food and poison, only death can win. Um, and it's this, it's this idea that, like, oh, we want to be a totalitarian dictatorship that looks into everything you, you do and see and look at you all the time, and you want privacy. Let's just compromise. Uh, we'll just look at it most of the time, or whatever. It's like, it's this, it's this, it's this false argument of well, there has to be some compromise here, and you know, I, I don't think there does. Maybe it's just that people want to believe the best intentions, and they just well, but when, if Trump were saying this, they would not be oh, believing of his not, best intentions because his persona is just like. Sure, I, but he may very well be the next that. president. Like so I mean, okay, yeah, but. Partly, it's it's just Obama's charisma. He's really good at, at persuading people to do stuff and get people to believe in a vision and do all of that. I mean, so basically what you're saying is people are so stupid that because he smiles and says things nicely, he can say anything he fucking wants. I mean, I'm not saying that specifically, <laughs> but I'm saying that there's different levels of intelligence and the people that are voting maybe aren't shit <laughs> no, um that maybe aren't as knowledgeable or paying attention as much and are easily susceptible to someone with a smile than someone that's angry all the time is that like really terrible no no i mean i think it's probably true it's just not something people want to hear okay is there anything else oh jeff do you have something you want to add <laughs> I, I think the millennial must be a racist that was terrible <laughs> yeah I no i, I think clearly that. clearly she is a racist throwing things out now yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, to see if he actually sums this up. By the way, this I know that we're rambling, but we're not professional uh, speakers on stage here. He's really rambling with this answer. Let's see well, if he finishes it. What, do you have something to no, say? No, no, no. Okay, here we go. Aggressively, to help solve this problem, what I, my conclusion so far is, is that you cannot take an absolutist view on this. So if, if your argument is strong encryption, no matter what, and we can sh and should, in fact, create black boxes, then I, that, I think, does not strike the kind of balance that we have lived with for 200, 300 years, and it's fetishizing uh, our phones uh, above every other value. And that... So, so the, he's so he's saying that we've lived with a balance for the last two or three hundred years. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, the founding of this country was not about a balance between, you know, free speech and government censorship, or a balance between no. privacy and intrusive, you know, government overreach. I mean, since when? Since when is striking a balance 
the key here. And I think there's this weird philosophical relativism that everyone seems to just be comfortable with. And especially, by the way, the younger generation. So maybe, you know, you know, we can hear about that. But I, I don't I don't understand why people aren't challenging him on this notion that, well, we need to strike a balance. I mean, if we were to say that, like, again, it's health helped- principle. Right. Where, where is principle? Yeah, no, it's helpful to actually, one of the things I like to do, I know the internet hates going to Hitler, so let's go to Stalin or someone else, but, you know, wh- <laughs> one of the things that I like to do is, you know, take things to their extreme when people make a statement and see what that looks like. And this idea that you always strike a balance, right? You know, <laughs> when Stalin says, you know, I want to, I want to murder a bunch of people. You know, I want to murder 100 million people, and you say, hey, well, you know, let's balance it out at 50. That's not a win. So I, yeah, this notion that you know this nation is built on a balance is absolutely false. Um, and it's a shame that he gets away with it. There, ha- there was not a balance. You know, the, the United States was based on this idea that the individual is sovereign yeah. and that the government does not have a right to, for example, examine their papers, right? Which in modern parlance is examine your cell phone. Examine your iPhones. Right? So, cells, yeah. So go, go ahead. You're going to say something else. No, I mean, I was just, that's that's accurate. I, 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 I didn't understand what he said um, about the 300 to 500 years. I didn't get that. Two to so 300 years. But or two to 300 sure. years. It's okay. Sorry. Government educated. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Right. And English is my second language. Yeah. By the way, two to three hundred is also wrong, but it is what he said. Okay, so um, here let's. So what would have been the be correct a, thing for him to say at that point? Just. Well, I mean, I think the correct thing. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to say anything near the correct thing. I mean, in but, my view, like, the correct thing to say is privacy matters. You're right. Privacy matters, and sometimes that means we can't catch bad people, and that's that's the sacrifice that we make for yeah. upholding privacy. Yeah. And just like it means that sometimes people will get up and say horrible things that offend people and hurt people's feelings because we uphold the freedom of speech. Um, you know, that's the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to hear it from this president nor any of the people currently running for president. All right, let's. right, there's got to be an end to this thing he's doing here. Hold on. Can't be, uh, that can't be the right answer. I, I suspect that the answer is going to come down to how do we create a system where the encryption is as strong as possible, the key is as secure as possible, it is accessible by the smallest number of people possible for a subset of issues that we agree are important. How we design that is not something that I have uh, the expertise uh, to do, but but I caution, now I, I am, way on the civil liberties side of this thing. Uh, So I love how he can say, I'm way on the civil liberties side thing. Now let's talk about violating civil civil liberties. Yeah. What a And he said a small amount of people. How do you keep uh, that? Yeah. So let's let's let him finish. But I I just had to stop. That was annoying. That he, how, like, how, can he at least be honest? He's not on the civil liberties side. Right. Uh, um, You know, Bill McRaven will, will tell you that I I anguish a lot over the decisions we make in terms of how to keep this country safe, and I am not interested in overthrowing the values that uh, have made us an exceptional and great nation uh, simply for 
experiences. So his argument is like, it's really hard for me to do this. It's harder. Look, it hurts me more than it hurts you, America. Just, yeah. and I'm sorry I, I have no sleep. loop. Just bend over. <laughs> but the dangers are real. <laughs> Maintaining law and order and a civilized society is important. Protecting our kids is important. And oh, I love when they invoke the children. It's always for yeah, the children. Yeah, it's, it's the, the children are our future, Carter. Yeah. So I would just caution against taking an absolutist perspective on this. Because we make compromises all the time. We, you know, I haven't flown commercial in a while. Um, oh, shit. Playboy. What? What? Yeah, he hasn't <laughs> flown commercial. Is this a compromise he's made? Hold on. Let's, let's wow, hear. Wow, that's really difficult. But my understanding Can we laugh at the... Great fun it's going not great. Through, it's uh, not great. Going through uh, security. No, but we great. make the concession because... It's a very it's a big intrusion on our privacy, but we we recognize it as important. We have stops for. Do we recognize that as important? I mean, I don't think the TSA has really been recognized as important to anyone except for people in the government. Oh, hold on. Yeah, no one else. Look, hey, we've done it before, people. So Why you know, not? must be okay. We mm -hmm. we started violating your privacy before, so this is fine. Or drunk drivers. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a, Did he just say drunk wait, drivers? Wait, wait, go what back. What was that all about? Oh, hold on. We have stops for drunk drivers. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, an intrusion. But we. Oh, I see. So he's the 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 sobriety checkpoints, which also are uh, a violation. So he's bringing up things that the government has done. I mean, it's the standard slippery slope kind of thing, right? It's like you, you know, well. I'm sure the first time that one of these things was done, someone probably stood up and argued, "Hey, you could, you shouldn't do this because it will lead to other violations of privacy and." And I'm sure the politician's response was, no, 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 just this one time, just this one thing, blah, blah, so right? And now there's this litany of things that he's citing that have all been violations. And now yeah. it's like, well, you know, why fight now? Because, you know, you've already been raped. So, you know, let's, let's rape you again. Again and again. Okay. I think it's the right thing to do. And, and this notion that somehow our data, you know, is different and can be walled off from those other trade-offs we make, uh, I believe is incorrect. We do have to make sure, given the power of the internet and how much our lives are digitalized, that it is narrow and it is constrained and that there's oversight. Uh, oh. <laughs> Over Don't worry, there'll be oversight. Uh, Jeff, does that make you feel better? No. Don't worry. Actually. The pigs are going to so, be in charge of the farm, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, I'm just not quite sure what to say here. I mean, his, his argument is effectively, we have violated your Fourth Amendment rights in all these other domains. And he cites, you know, drunk driving uh, and the, the pro he would probably also say the Viper stops from sure. the Transportation Security Agency. He talks about uh, the TSA, which is an absolutely ineffectual reactive force that uh, I don't believe has caught anybody in in some of the red team testing, which means people go through and try to get weapons through. Are, the red teams are 99% effective, which means that the TSA is 99% ineffective or thereabouts. And now he says, because we've done all that, it's no big deal for us to go to the digital realm. Yeah, just, exactly. just, just accept it, right? It's To use your rape analogy, it's just a different kind of rape. And because yep. we've raped you before, you should be okay with us raping you again in this different way. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I'm confident this is uh, something that we can solve, but we're going to need the tech community 
software designers, people who care deeply about this stuff, to help us solve it. Because what will happen is if if if, if everybody goes to their respective corners and, and the tech community says, you know what, we we either we have strong perfect encryption or else it's Big Brother and an Orwellian world. Uh, what you'll find is that after you know uh, something really bad happens, the politics of this will swing and it will become sloppy and rushed, and it will go through Congress in ways that have not been thought through. And then you really will have a dangerous to, to, to our civil liberties because we will have not done the, the, the people who understand this best and who care most about privacy and civil liberties have, have sort of uh, disengaged. Okay, so here, like, I'm going to get back to my rape analogy. So basically, <laughs> I, let us rape you now gently, or else later the Congress might rape you more forcefully, it, and it will be, be worse. A, it'll be a gang rape, and it'll be messy. Yeah, yeah. So you, we should do it now. You know, let's, you know, work with me on this rape here, because otherwise, and it's a little bit of a threat. Right. Yeah, which it is sounded like, like a threat. Yeah, it's like it definitely. Otherwise, like you know, there's going to be a gang rape later. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, or have taken a position that is not sustainable uh, uh, for the general public as a whole over time. Sadly, Mr. President, the clock is telling me that we're out of time. Oh, good. He's out of time. So, I mean, I, that was a very rambling answer. I would like to say one thing technically also about about this. It would not be hard for Apple or any other company to create a system uh, whereby the actual owner of the phone has the only master key that accesses their data, and it can never be accessed by anyone. It's like just impossible. That's, that's completely doable, and all Apple has to do is do something like that, and if they do, uh, then the question is, is the government going to outlaw that technology? Are they going to say you are not allowed to sell a piece of software that lets someone encrypt data and keep the key? I have, I mean, PGP is a very famous uh, software application that's been around for a while. GPG is the, the open source version of it. I'm running uh, something called TrueCrypt on my Mac. I mean, I'm the only person that has that key. If I die, that data dies with me. And yeah, could could the if if that is that happens, now going to be illegal? Yeah, well, can the Justice Department indict you for obstruction of justice? Yeah, That's possibly. Yeah. yeah, possibly. Yeah, but but actually, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with if they get a warrant well, I, I to look say, at my computer. Not, not you as an individual. I mean Apple. Oh, right. right. If, if, if Apple or Google or right, whomever. Yeah. No, that's you know, a problem, that. right? So now yeah, if you create a system that lets people use keys, yeah. now you're obstructing justice. Yeah, and, and if you're an organization, say an Apple, can they prosecute you on RICO statutes? Yeah, right? So, I mean, I, this is a huge, huge deal, and no one seems to be caring about it too much. And the fact that Obama, I mean, just said all of this at South by Southwest and didn't get booed off the stage is so so the, so is uh, with scary that, i want to make sure that we get to the end of this to hear what the audience's reaction is to his remarks because i think that's really telling for the sentiment of south by southwest and the greater community and i'm sorry but maybe the millennials as well i know you're generalizing for a whole generation but we should hear that also well let's see 
A lot of things I wanted to ask you. You gave a great answer on that question, and I'm happy to have that be the last bit that we did together. Thank you so much for being I, here. I, I, I'm the president, so I'm going to take uh, one more minute. You will? Good. Uh, and, uh, and I just want to say... I mean, so this is love for him and what he just said. Great answer, apparently. We'll take it. So, uh, there are a number of different ways in which uh, all of you can plug into uh, to what I've been talking about here today. So if you are interested in uh, figuring out ways to make uh, government services work better, uh, you can... I can't listen to the rest of this. It's painful. So, yeah, I mean, I think they liked him. That's the answer, right? I think they liked him, too. <laughs> um but it's the way that he's saying it. He's he he sees that what he's saying is like he understands that the government there are a shit ton of things that are wrong. But he's the way he's saying it is that he can fix it and he wants to hear the opinions of the people so that those services can get fixed. And maybe that is why people believe him more than they would other people that have run in, run before or been president. Yeah, though, he, he, he wants the people that believe in what he's saying to voice their opinions. He doesn't want dissenting opinions. Yeah, but I mean, again, it gets back to this style over substance thing where the substance of what he's saying is abhorrent. And I, and, and I, and I think that's objectively true. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't like what this guy is saying and be any kind of sane. Uh, or know any history at all. Like, it's just, it's horrible. Well, but he says it so, in a, such a friendly, it's inviting innocent. tone. Yeah, yeah, very inviting. Very much like, uh, per, he's personable, friendly. It's just, yeah, it's that person that knows how to s- how to kind of read you and feel you out and be able to manipulate. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you said the manipulate word. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, he's he's. I don't understand it either. Still. Well, and okay. So look, I mean, it, 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 lame duck. He's going to be on his way out. Um, clearly, there's a and it, I mean, I don't know. Where do you think the millennials? Do you think they side with him on the Apple versus FBI case? I mean, I can only tell you that from from the f- social feeds that I've seen and the people that I'm following and. Um, or that follow me or are friends with me, that most of them don't have like a, a well-rounded opinion about it, but they, they know that privacy does matter, but they don't know how much it could completely devastate the next, you know, well, forever. It seems like right? there's just a lack of principles, really. There's just, everything's just pragmatism. Like, well, it seems reasonable that we give them this, and oh, this seems reasonable, and everything's just kind of reasonable, and you just... You know, you have reasonable underst- stuff all the way to yeah. hell. Yeah, but it's also like they don't, maybe they don't understand what that long term means. And they think that, I don't know, the way that things have been going for the past, I don't know, 100 years, they, they want to see a switch. They want to believe that the government can do more than uh, than continuously feed lies or continuously. Oh, they suck. can do more. Well, of course they can. And, and they're they will. letting them happen. It's, it's actually happening. Yeah, yeah at the point of a gun. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, I think it's devastating, but at the same time, like how do, how can we or how can I 
personally, like for, for me, because I'm so much more connected to that millennial f- base, how do I kind of l- like teach these people to understand that what's going on? Because th- it, it seems like they're not paying attention to this. They're not focusing so much on, on that, you know, two sentences. Right. Right. It's like that isn't as important as like, I don't know, other subjects or whatever. So, wha- well, he does talk for a long time and, and, and I, I if was you, bored. It's hard to listen to. In, yeah. in, f- in five minutes, I that's like way too much. How are you going to cut that into short segments or like make it more of a prominent subject? Right? Well, so look, here's the thing. Let's take an issue that, that millennials care about, which is gay marriage, right? Um, they care about gay marriage and, and in general. And, you know, the example that's used uh, recently is there was this pizzeria who, you know, was theoretically asked, would you bake a pizza for a gay wedding and they you know the person working there was like no i guess not i don't, I don't know right so uh, and everyone was up in arms at this and and they're very sensitive to oppression of protected classes can you agree with that yeah okay now if you care about protected classes the number one enemy is really the state i mean the day that someone gets what if you know, what if Ted Cruz, I don't, you know, I don't think Ted Cruz would do this, but what if Ted Cruz gets into office and he cares who might be gay because he wants to make aspects of that illegal or whatever? He has the power now because of people like Obama who are supporting this idea that we can just look at all of your shit. And so, you know, protected classes are only protected insofar as they're protected from the government and if no one is protected from the government then the moment you have a government who wants to go after certain groups they they can do that with impunity there is never any decrease in government power there's always an increase and so what we're witnessing here is a precedent that we've never seen in history ever and we can never ever unwind this that needs to be really very important to your community and i mean i would encourage you to use your position in that community to be more vocal about this and i realize there's probably some potential risk with this and maybe social stigma but you know privacy matters yeah all right well look on that note thank you jeff mitch do you have anything to add you good i think i'm good um but I, w- yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, look, I don't know how well this podcast went. Maybe it's super boring, <laughs> but uh, we had fun talking, which is really, you know, so maybe it's just one giant masturbation. But, uh, you know, it was <laughs> it was good for us. We enjoyed the conversation and maybe someone will listen to it and enjoy it as well. Uh, hopefully we'll have another show sometime, maybe a week from now. So uh, thanks, everyone. And see you next time. <laughs>